Coming to you live from Geppetto's Workshop, it's the Disney Plus Weekly Review, where each week I, Joseph Fricky, and my co-host Tristan Mayer break down this week in Disney Plus. So we kind of tell you any news that's dropped, we talk about the shows or movies that have dropped on Disney Plus and kind of give you uh, kind of an update. You know, if you have Disney Plus because you're watching Obi-Wan Kenobi and you don't really know what else we should be watching or maybe what else to be looking out for because you're not strictly following news, it's what here we're here to do. We're here to update you on... This Week in Disney Plus, very kind of basic title, perfect title because it tells you exactly what to expect from our show. Tristan, what were your thoughts this week on Disney Plus? Pretty good week, obviously there's a highlight show in Star Wars here, but we definitely have some trailers trailers to talk about and some stuff on the horizon that I think is going to be really interesting. So yeah, it's a deep dive this week into Obi-Wan for sure, but that's kind of what you're watching. I think if you have Disney Plus, that's probably the highlight show that... You're probably checking that one out, you know? Yeah. All right. And uh, why waste time? Let's jump right into it and uh, talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi, Episode 3, Part 3. Uh, they went very direct with the title name here. Makes sense. Deborah Chow said in an interview that unlike a lot of the other Disney Plus shows, this one is more serialized. It's not an adventure of the week type show. It's one continuous story where each episode flows into the next. And that makes sense in this episode. Young Leia and Obi-Wan are on the run and trying to survive. You know, they meet a kind of racist truck driver, the kind of uh, blue lives matter, I guess, of the Star Wars world, voiced by Zach Braff. And, you know, Obi-Wan gets into a little tussle, finds himself hiding out in this town where he runs into an old friend turned into an enemy, Anakin Skywalker, a.k.a. Darth Vader. He was told earlier that in the previous episode by Reva that Anakin Skywalker is still alive and now he gets to see him face to face had some great heartwarming moments between a young Leia and Obi-Wan and it culminated in a little bit of a duel and a little bit of a skirmish between Vader and Obi-Wan it's definitely not the last time these two will fight in this show I imagine but uh Tristan what were kind of some of your general thoughts on this episode yeah, I really liked it. Definitely delivered on the kind of action and the spectacle of it. I remember last week I questioned of how much of Vader are we going to see next episode? Is it just going to be kind of a tease or are we going to see him in action? We definitely saw him in action. I thought it was very cool to see Vader. He feels to me like he's right out of the comic book, sort of. Like he has that kind of viciousness of the Charles Soul run where he's kind of like very much in the combat and to the front of the, of the action and that run definitely involves Inquisitors a lot, too, and connects with, like, the larger lore of the Force and the Sith. So I think if you're liking this show and liking Vader here, you could check that run out. But I think that's where they're drawing influence from because it feels like some of the shots here almost feel like panels right from his his comics. So I love seeing that. And, yeah, of course, seeing Hayden back is very cool. I'm sure that one little tease we got of him in the desert is not going to be the last we see of Hayden in the show, I imagine. I hope so, at least. So... Yeah, I had a good time with the episode. No, I think we are going to get a kind of repeat of one of the beats in one of my favorite all, my favorite all-time piece of media from Star Wars is the season two finale of Rebels, or spoiler alert, uh, if you want to check out Rebels, but you get Ahsoka versus Vader, and where part of his helmet gets cut off by Ahsoka's lightsaber, I think we're going to get a repeat beat of that in this show. Maybe it won't be the exact same thing, maybe like his entire top half of his helmet will get knocked off and you'll see anakin again and kind of similar to end of return of the jedi he'll be gasping for breath and uh all that and i think we'll see anakin's face again hayden christensen's face inside the darth vader costume yeah i definitely think we'll see hayden more than just like in the quick little shots we see here and there i think they wouldn't bring him back just to have it, be, have it be shots like that. You know, they're at least going to give him a scene or something like that to shine. So I think we'll see more of him. But you mentioned that this is not just action oriented. They had a lot of bonding between Vader or between uh, Obi Wan and Leia, and I thought that was a highlight for sure of the episode here because those characters came together last week, and people were kind of questioning some of the writing here and there. And I think it got a lot better this week. I love that scene where uh, he says. He explains to Leia what the Force is like. You know, we've had the Force explained to people a thousand times in Star Wars, but it feels so practical and so real and, like, the way you'd explain it to a child to say it like that, you know, like, what does it feel like to be afraid of the dark and then to have someone turn the light on? And that's something a child can understand and can really grasp that 
it's not that small feeling that can cover such a large scale like question of what is the, what does it feel like to use the force you know yeah so many like great things on the show so uh, i like a lot of people my age and younger have a tiktok account and i've somehow found myself into the star wars algorithm where every other video that's on my kind of discovery page is or on my for you page is star wars related and somehow so i see a lot of people come up and i wish i had remembered some of these creators names but a lot of these people having great little discoveries like uh he's kind of talking to her about the force and there's a moment where like they i think little leia is running around or something and she had the two braids wrapped around her head and now he's been instructing her and one of her braids has now like fallen off and it kind of resembles a little bit of a padawan braid which i think is a nice little touch uh some other great moments people have picked up on is obviously if you've watched return of the jedi um luke asks leia do you remember your mother and she kind of essentially describes her own birth with like oh i remember her being like beautiful but sad which is you know, she it's Natalie Portman and she's crying, you know, as she's dying, get, just having given birth to the twins. And in this episode, she asks, um, she asks Obi-Wan, are you my father? And it stands to reason if she remembers Leia, like probably through the force and having like these force visions of her mom or like the force allows her to remember things that a normal person wouldn't because they were just born. Obi-Wan was the first person to hold her after she was born. She was there, or he was there when she was delivered. So maybe Obi-Wan has been part of those Force visions. So she sees him and she kind of like realizes like, oh, this is the guy from my Force vision. So maybe she, that's partially why she assumed that he was her father because she's basically somehow through the Force was like, you were there when I was born. So um, why would, it, it wouldn't make sense that a, someone would assume that that was their father. A lot of yeah, nice... I like that touch because I wouldn't even thought about that. But yeah, the fact that she remembers Padme technically in that scene, she also would, if she can remember Padme, remember Obi Wan too. Yeah, and I thought that was a nice touch. And one of the things of like Leia being like, "Oh, I've always wondered what my father was like," and then cut to later in the episode, she's watching through the grates of like the building, and she can see Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader walking, and having no idea that that's who her father is. Yeah, and that scene was terrifying. Like he's so brutal and. You see him just like straight up killing people and like he just has that kind of hey i'm not here i'm not going to just go around and murder people for no reason but obi-wan's do it's obi-wan's fault you know <laughs> he's making me do this you know you can you can hear anakin rationalizing it in his head as he's doing it you know he's saying look i don't want to kill these people but obi-wan won't come out so what am i supposed to do i am who you made me so uh, we've talked about some positives. I want to bring up some negatives. Well, first, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I know you kind of bemoaned the kind of AI voice thing that they use for Luke in uh, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. And it turns out they basically did the same thing with Darth Vader and James Earl Jones here because he definitely doesn't sound like a 91-year-old man like he does in Rogue One. And then people have kind of dug through the credits and they realize, okay, they technically credited James Earl Jones as Darth Vader, but... They also credit. They also like gave a shout out to the same AI voice company that they used for Luke in this episode as well. So it stands to reason they did the same thing, and I think it works a lot better here. Do you think they've just gotten better with the technology, or do you think the fact that it's Darth Vader and you're not seeing a mouth move, and it's also partially kind of robotic anyways, that it doesn't seem as weird? What do you? Yeah, why do you think it sounds better? I think you're right about all that stuff. I think it helps that it sounds already distorted and it helps that they have so much kind of archival audio to use that sounds so similar. Like, I feel like it's a little bit easier to make a mouth that's not moving, essentially coming from like a robot looking character mm -hmm. sound real. But yeah, yeah, I think it sounds really, really good. And I think it's a bit weird that they credited James Earl Jones when he didn't do any performing mm -hmm. for the episode. <laughs> I think uh -huh. it's like a strange precedent to set. I think it would be a little bit better uh -huh. if they were just straightforward about it and they just said look darth vader credited to you know rng voices or whatever they yeah, call or it. they and... could do like a double credit like darth vader voiced by like i mean maybe the mm -hmm. acting guild and all these guilds and stuff have rules that you can't do that but if it was like darth vader played by james earl jones and then through whatever technology company or something because it's technically it's like james earl jones's voice it's just you know through a computer system and algorithms and a whole bunch of things i don't fully understand It'd be like how back in the day you play like a guitar hero, you know, and they can't afford the license for the real song, so it says, as made famous by Aerosmith, and you're like, close enough. You know, it sounds yeah. like Aerosmith. They yeah. kind of put Aerosmith in there. Yeah. And 
as made famous by James Earl Jones. I can see that happening. Yeah. So yeah, talk- I think yeah. it sounded really, really good. Way better than the Luke uh, affected. Way better mm-hmm. than he sounded in Rogue One. I think he mm-hmm. sounded right out of the original trilogy, even better than he did in that. Like it was a very intimidating performance, and I kind of wondered if they like put in some of Hayden Christensen's voice in there too mm-hmm. somewhere because it sounded a little yeah. bit like there was some Hayden influ- influx there. Yeah, like maybe Hayden Christensen voiced it and then they used the system and the algorithm to like match the cadences or even maybe they did bring James Earl Jones in there and then like the voice itself sounds off but they used the algorithm to match the cadence and everything so it didn't have like the robotic kind of stop and start weird speak. If that makes sense, so... Yeah, and I don't mind it in something like this. I think it sounds really good, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing because I know Disney wants to do more of this stuff, whether I liked it initially or not. So I am interested to see how it goes as they push it forward and more and more because they've only gotten better with it as they've done more stuff with it. Yeah, and I think Star Wars, in a way, is like the perfect place to use this. Like, like I wouldn't want to see a Western where if they can use CGI and all that to like put James, or not James, put, like, John Wayne, like, a new Western starring John Wayne, even though it's, like, a deep-faked face over another actor's face, and then, like, his voice, like, CGI'd, or how, what, how, whatever the technological term is, into the movie, and so it's not really John Wayne, but if you're gonna say, say they want to make a movie, you know, 50 years from now, and they have the technology, and it's gonna take place between episode one and two and there's a scene where anakin and obi-wan appear and they have an actor and they face map and they do all the stuff and it literally looks like obi or ewan mcgregor time traveled to film the scene or they had archival footage of ewan mcgregor and filmed the scene and they somehow like combined jake lloyd's face and hayden christensen's face into one face and did like Jake a combination of Jake Lloyd and Hayden Chris, J- Jake Lloyd in episode one and Hayden Christensen in episode two and morphed them together and it literally looks like they somehow found like that perfect mix of a kid and time traveled him to fifty years from now to film that scene like that's something I'm where it's more like hey we want this character rather than we want these act this actor is where it's not as creepy and weird to me if that makes sense but like I I have no desire to see like a Humphrey Bogart movie that comes out in ten years. Yeah, I'm curious about what the future looks like for this because we just had Star Wars Celebration last week and at the anniversary panel for Attack of the Clones, George Lucas gave us a tiny little intro video. Uh looked like a hostage video, but he mentioned he, he pretty much talked about how uh uh he when he shot Attack of the Clones he did the whole thing whole thing digitally and when he did that people were saying, Oh, why would you do it like that? You know, uh critics hated it and they said I was gonna ruin filmmaking because it's gonna look so bad and now he says, you know, look around, everyone's doing it digitally. Ryder Deacons is using digital film now. And it's it's going to be interesting to see if what we're looking at now and saying, oh, why would you do this, Star Wars? It's it's so gross and weird. Mm-hmm. If in 10 years we're going to look at it and be like, oh, that's normal. Everyone's doing that now. Because we kind of are. Like, everyone's doing the de-aging. They did it and do it in all kinds of movies. Stranger mm-hmm. Things had, had it this season. So it's almost becoming more and more of a norm that Disney, Star Wars, Marvel hybrid kind of led uh, Another angle that I'm perfectly fine with deep faking is over stunt doubles. Like, I, I know they've done it quite a bit in the Marvel movies. I don't know as much for Star Wars, but to me, that's also, like, not really as... It's not, like, gross, I guess, because it's, like, the actor's still part of the movie. It's just, like, hey, there were moments here where you could definitely tell it wasn't that actor. It was the stunt double, so we face map the actor's face over their face. And that's another angle where I'm fine with it. It doesn't weird me out or it doesn't feel immoral, I guess. How did you feel about this truck driver, uh, Zach Braff's character playing the uh, closeted racist uh, allegiant bootlicker of the Empire? Oh, I thought it was uh, perfect. Like the just like the moment where he goes and he kind of has like the self-made Empire flag hanging on the back of his shovel truck. I thought that was good. Yeah, it was really good because you see him pull up and you're like, oh, thank God! And you know he's he's kind of a cool alien with a cool voice, and you're like, oh, this guy's gonna help out, and then. Uh, they go around and they see the Empire flag and you're like, oh no. And it adds attention to the whole entire sequence. And I felt like it was really interesting and really cool to see Star Wars do something so timely and so politically relevant and and something that could easily be like, oh, we're a galaxy far, far away. We don't, we don't have to talk about any of that stuff. And 
it's not like very it's, it is obvious but it's not like on the nose you yeah. know i think it's easy to watch this and it fits into mm-hmm. the world of star wars per- yeah. perfectly fine but you also can tell what they're talking about in the real world and what they're kind of referencing to yeah There's a lot of historical references in this episode that are interesting yeah if there was like a blue stripe going across the middle of his empire logo and he's like i'm part of a group that supports the empire like we're a fan group that supports the empire or something i'd be like okay that's a little much like we get it i got it you don't need to go fully there because then it starts to take you out of it but it was like just enough where you knew what they were going for but it didn't exactly take you out of it and also it filled uh, my complaint from last week that we need more aliens in star wars i felt like this episode felt this episode i felt there was more of an alien presence than the first two episodes which felt like a world of humans with like an occasional alien sprinkled in yeah i think if you're watching star wars this deep and you've seen all the movies and all the shows you wouldn't be surprised if they are not exactly a pro-fascist uh, uh franchise yeah. <laughs> the bad guys are literally called stormtroopers and they're like the white supremacists of the of the of the galaxy so i think it makes sense that it would fit into the show and it honestly fits into the themes of star wars where like zach graf's character is like essentially betraying himself by working for the empire and thinking that he's doing the right thing but in the end he's working against his own interests and he doesn't even really know it because his life would probably be better if the empire wasn't you know all over his his country and his his planet and ruining it and i think it's a really fascinating uh commentary without being so obvious and so direct and without also being like the center point of the episode too it's not like they didn't have a speech about oh well well yeah you got to understand this and that about this and that it's just kind of like a throwaway scene that fits so well into the episode all right we've been talking a bit about the positives i want to move over to the negatives i have some i will say one of the things like we've talked about before i've brought up before with uh book of boba fett and you felt more that way with the mandalorian it's like sometimes it feels like a fan film and i think basically anything i didn't have any single problem with any shots that wasn't the fight between vader and obi-wan but i felt like when we got to the fight between vader and obi-wan that's where the editing got a little wonky and that's where there were moments that felt a little fan filmy to me and i watched the fight over and over and basically the two main reasons i feel that way i feel like the lightsabers are far too bright like no i understand like it makes sense that the lightsabers would cast a light on their face it's something nothing really had before because they added the light afterwards it wasn't really part of the set when they filmed and then when they filmed the sequel trilogies they added it where the lightsaber they filmed with projected whatever color light that the lightsaber was but here i just felt they were like too bright and it just didn't feel like a lightsaber anymore and that's where it kind of felt a little fake and a little off to me because it's nothing like we've seen before then also the music sucks like how like i'm not one to always be like oh they need to play this song that i love and connect to but how do you not play like duel of the fates or the song from when they fought in revenge of the sith it was just like none of the music so far this season has been memorable at all like book of boba fett i remember that theme i know john williams did compose the theme for han solo or not han solo well he did compose the theme for han solo and then they integrated it into the movie but I don't, he composed the theme for this show and I don't remember it. I don't remember any of the music from this show. I remember music from Mandalorian. I remember music from Book of Boba Fett, but so far, the, none, nothing from this is memorable. And I think that also is part of what gives it that fan filmy feel is nothing about the fight between Obi-Wan and Vader had any level of epicness to it or anything, even though I know it was a fight between like a very powerful force user and someone who hadn't tapped into the force much, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think they're probably holding off on Duel of the Fates until we get the the big conclusion, because this felt like Obi-Wan caught off his guard, barely holding himself. Like, this was not a battle, you know? This was Darth Vader almost toying with Obi-Wan in a lot of places, and it felt like at any point Vader could have killed him. I thought that was an interesting dynamic, because it was so different than anything we've ever seen between the two of them before, where the upper hand was just so much in Vader's direction that it Obi-Wan was like barely surviving (laughs) you know the plot armor was essentially keeping him alive at this point but uh, you can tell Vader I think has bigger plans for him and I think that was a fun part of this sequence and I'll actually say I thought the super bright lightsabers actually looked really really cool from the wide shots I thought the wide shots looked awesome in this fight when you know the two of them were kind of standing off against each other and 
all you could even really see light-wise was the two lightsabers and like the stars in the sky. Yeah. I thought it was really cool visually. But as soon as I got, I thought it was interesting. Like the, they have this first face-off where they're in this city and there's people all around. It's kind of an interesting location. And then they're like, wait, wait, let's go out to like the most boring place we can find and then fight there because we got to make sure we can go in the volume and the, the ones around and we're in the empty sound studio where nothing is happening. And they go and fight in like this middle of nowhere place where they're, that felt very fan fan film where it's like, oh, we found this rock by our house. We're going to go film like it's shadowing by this rock, yeah. you know? <laughs> and I was like, you think about the locations of other Star Wars lightsaber battles and like, you know, the, all the, the Luke versus Vader fight in Empire Strikes Back. They had that huge dynamic location with the big, like round hallways and that kind of thing. You remember so many of those shots because of what the location looked like. Do you think of, the Obi-Wan and Anakin fight in Revenge of the Sith, where they're on that exploding volcano. There's so many unique shots in that. And this feels like they shot it in like someone's backyard. And I think the direction is going to be kind of weak in the action scenes this season. So I'm not really confident going in as the action gets more and more uh, heavy. I'm, I'm nervous that it's going to look kind of bad. <laughs> and I think that that could really sink the show if they build up to a duel the whole entire season and then it ends up not being good. I think that could really make this show stink for people, even if there are some great moments that we talked about already. I think if the action doesn't deliver, the whole show is going to kind of suffer because of it. All right. Yeah, I agree. And uh, two things I wanted to talk about before we move on to our next topic is, uh, one, a lot of people are like, oh, why Vader like snuffed out the fire the first time? Why didn't he snuff out the fire again when the droid showed up to and rescued Obi-Wan? Like, why did he just let him go? And I think... And people are, like, always quick to claim, like, bad writing. Like, they're like, oh, why does Reva do what she does? That's bad writing. Why did Vader do what he does? That's bad writing. It's like, let's let the season finish. Let's let the show finish. And then we can go back and say if character motivations were bad. Um, but up until then, let's just wait and see because we're only halfway through the show. And uh, anyway, so my a lot of people originally my thought was oh he wants obi-wan to suffer like he doesn't he wants to burn him and then he's not just going to immediately kill him i think he's fantasized about this for a while even though in the comics he thought about this and fantasized about this for a while i don't think he wants to make this a quick thing i think if he wants to torture obi-wan for a while but i think part of it is i think if you're going to make this show the crux of this show is Darth Vader saying to Luke in Return of the Jedi, Obi-Wan once, when Luke says there's still good in you, and Darth Vader says Obi-Wan once thought as you did, to me, that's that's the show right there. And so mm -hmm. far, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen Obi-Wan feel that there's still good in Vader. Unless Vader, when the time came, couldn't kill Obi-Wan. He... When the time he couldn't kill Obi-Wan, he... As much as Vader hates Anakin, or as much as Vader hates Obi Wan and wants Obi Wan to suffer and go through all the things he suffered through, Anakin still can't kill his best friend, his brother, because they're still good in him. And so he let him go. And I think that and we may see that conversation later is uh, Vader or Obi Wan appealing to Vader in their next fight, like you let me live. I know you let me live. That's why you didn't kill me. They're still good in you. Blah blah blah. And also, I think it ties in potentially, if my theory is correct, episode four, New Hope, there's a line that a lot of people are confused by because Vader said to Obi-Wan, like, when I, when I left you, I was but the learner, but now I'm the master. However, because of Clone Wars and Anakin training Ahsoka, like, he wasn't Obi-Wan's pupil when he left. He had been on his own training another student, basically, essentially, to Jedi Knight status. If Ahsoka had said, yes, I'll come back to the Jedi Order... Anakin would have been a Jedi Master. Like, he's basically, for all intents and purposes, Jedi Master level. So even in current canon, that line doesn't make sense. Unless he's talking about being a learner of the dark side. Like, when I last left you, I was a learner of the dark side. I couldn't fully commit because I couldn't kill you. Now I'm a master of the dark side. Now I'm willing to kill you. So don't think I'm going to let you live this time. That's how that yeah, line Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how they play all that out because... Some of that stuff, I'm not. I don't care that much about like, like yeah, filling a specific line. <laughs> like as I'm someone, like, does that matter? To me, A New Hope, because well, I did. Uh, like for anyone that doesn't know, I did a chronological <clears throat> rewatch of Star Wars, and going into it, A New Hope was my favorite movie. And then, 
after it, it dropped from number one to number two because so many moments and so many lines of that movie have been retconned, switched around, changed that basically everyone in that lot, everyone in that movie is telling like half truths to the point that it like continually continuously took me out of it and has nothing to do with the Disney acquisition. Pretty much all those lines became half truths because of the prequels. So, um. I Again, will say little lines don't match up, but yeah, I'd love to hear your predictions. Uh, we got a Quinlan Voss name drop, and I thought that was very cool because I never thought Ewan McGregor Obi Wan would be talking about Quinlan Voss on yeah. an actual Star Wars live action show. But uh, nice moments, and I do think uh, we will see Quinlan Voss uh, maybe on this show leading into the Ahsoka show or something like that. But I think that's a character that is so unexplored and. He has so much time in his in his story he could fill in because we know from other canon that he did survive Order 66 and is out there and about at this time of the story. So I could easily see him coming in and being kind of a moment of hope for Obi-Wan maybe. He sees Quinlan Voss and is reminded of like, oh, Jedi can actually survive and I actually can be who I was before. And we see that kind of an arc for Obi-Wan. I'm really curious what his arc is going to be for the second half of the show because now he knows Anakin is Vader and he is tried to face him and got like completely wrecked and I I, I wonder if we're going to get kind of a an, a long night of the soul for Obi-Wan here where he's going to have kind of a, a night of discovery, a force vision type of thing where he kind of, we see that what you talked about earlier where we see him kind of saying oh I think, Obi- I think Anakin can still be good I still believe in Anakin because I think we need to get a better picture of Obi-Wan's mental state right now because yeah. I don't think we have a really good idea of where he's at and I would like to see more to better understand some of the some of the decisions he's made so far. So I think we're going to get a better look into his psyche probably next week, if not uh, the week after. But I think, yeah, we got a big fight this week, so I think next week we'll slow down just a little bit and get some introspective going on, have the characters react to what they just went through and, I'm also excited to see more with young Leia and how much she learns about Vader, how much she learns about Obi-Wan, how much does she really know? Because you talk about lying through your teeth. It's going to be hard to have uh, Leia know much about Vader if she goes into the original trilogy and then knows nothing about John Vader. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be curious to see what they what they do with that. Yeah, so I have uh, one thing I want to bring up is there's rumors and theory leaks floating around that Lucasfilm has is working on and is in pre-production for season two of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't know how true that is because I don't know how much story there is left. I know a lot of people love Ewan McGregor, but I mean, once he faces Vader, what else is there really for him to do? He's already, we know he fights Maul and Rebels and we know based on that story, there wasn't much build up on his end. It was pretty much build up on Maul's end. Obi-Wan was just out living his life on Tatooine and Maul shows up. So there's not, I don't think there's much story for him there. I think what I think, if there's any merit to these theories at all, is it's actually uh, a show about the path and the basically Jedi underground or the Jedi underground railroad. And I could see like Indira Varma's character and um, Quinlan Voss being your kind of two leads of that show. And I think that could be an interesting one or two season show that I feel like that's why potentially it's being leaked and rumored as Obi-Wan season two, because this whole thing kind of started with the show. And so I could see that why people who are leaking information would describe it potentially as such, even if Obi-Wan doesn't make anything more than a tiny cameo in it. Um, Yeah. I think that's a good idea too, because we have a good setup here of like, oh, there's these kind of sleeper cells within the Empire who are secretly working for the Rebellion who are trying to smuggle people mm-hmm. out. And I think this episode does a good job, honestly, of introducing the children of the Force and what that is and why they're important and all the kind of backstory around them uh, without even having you notice. You know, mm-hmm. so I think if you haven't watched any of the animated stuff and you just watch this, you understand the Inquisitors, you understand the children of the Force, you understand what Vader's mm-hmm. goal is right now in the galaxy. So... I think I would really be into that kind of a show and the kind of spy thriller elements of it. You could even make it feel sort of like Andor and maybe setting up Andor in a way because we know maybe the way, the path or whatever they call it is probably one of those sects that eventually collides with Ezreal and collides with Saw Gerrera and becomes part of the large-scale rebellion. So I think it would be fun to see all that kind of come together. 
And one last thing I want to bring up before we move on to our last topic is uh, me and some other people have noticed some similarities between the TV episodes and the movie episodes. Episode 1 largely takes place on Tatooine. We also see a young, precocious kid with Skywalker blood. Episode 2 uh, kind of basically is this Blade Runner-inspired city where Obi-Wan Kenobi is running around with that same precocious kid with uh, Skywalker blood. Episode 3, we get Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan Kenobi surrounded by fire. And so there's three episodes left, and part of me is wondering, is there going to be small connections from the TV episodes back to the movie episodes? And I'm curious what maybe we're getting get more luke in episode four uh you know maybe we go back to tatooine or maybe we just go to a different desert planet episode five is that you know what are we doing there and is episode six kind of our hero versus darth vader again for the last time i want to know if you have any thoughts any ideas on what some of these connections may be yeah i wonder if it is intentional or if it's just sort of like the you know the archetypal beats of star wars or are always there you know the man with a thousand faces type of thing where it's like these stories are kind of ancient and are being told over and over and over again in different ways and but i do think it's fun to theorize anyway <laughs> so i think if we are gonna do an episode four that's parallel to new hope i do think going back to tatooine is a way to do it and uh having it be very much like on that slow side i mentioned to be more introspective so i think we will get obi-wan back on tatooine we got to get more taron edgerton he's only had like a couple of scenes so I think it would be fun to give him a kind of bigger, meatier episode that kind of follows him for an arc here and there. Uh, I could see that being what they do. Give Obi-Wan a smaller problem right on Tatooine and have him kind of solve that. And then I think the next episode, episode five, if they're paralleling Empire Strikes Back, we know that's where it gets serious. It's where they lose what they had and they're kind of really kind of set up for the threat of the villain. So I think at this point, the Empire Strikes Back, I think, the Inquisitors are going to kind of, uh, some way or another, take the upper hand and get either capture Leia and or capture someone who will uh, make Obi-Wan feel like he's, he's lost and now he has to really decide, okay, I'm going to train up, I'm going to train up, I'm going to really do this, I'm going to be the Obi-Wan again. And they get kind of like a training montage of him getting ready and going out to save uh, whether it be Leia or whoever else is, is captured and then the sixth episode, or the last episode, which would be the 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 Return of the Jedi parallel, I believe, is gonna then have our ultimate clash. You know, the the, the battle of the wills clashing together. We're gonna see the the Empire, maybe. I think it would be interesting to see the Emperor show up in the last episode for a cameo. Whether it's literally the physical body of uh, the actor, I think he said he he said literally he's not in it, but who knows about that at this point? I I think we could see a cameo of the Emperor. And yeah, Liam Neeson that said be a big kind of clash at the end too. Liam Neeson said he's not doing TV, and then a week later they announced he's voicing Qui Gon Jinn in Tales of the Jedi. So, because I think he probably didn't know they were announcing that yet, and uh, I assume. Yeah, and it's easy to have a character show up but not even have the actor be there, you know. And especially when it's the Emperor, they could easily just have it be like a projection, a projection, or something like that. And yeah, he 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 has a couple of lines that are generated from the AI. <laughs> hmm. So I, hearing you talk made me think, so I, don't, I, can't, I haven't pieced together episode four, but this is my episode five and six projection. Episode five, you know, there's been a lot of thoughts on Qui-Gon Jinn or some other Jedi who could show up, and we know from various books and comics and stuff that Obi-Wan and Yoda have been force Skyping quite a bit, so what are the chances? Episode five, he has a force Skype with Yoda, and Yoda's basically like, bro, you gotta step it up. Like, quit you know how to connect to the force do what you do connect to the force and the episode like the maybe we get like a little tiny montage of him training getting his juices flowing again and it ends with him like lifting a bunch of rocks i think that's pretty good because i think what they're showing in this show so far is using the force or pulling out a lightsaber is like really laborious to obi-wan right now and mm-hmm. just grabbing leia was like drained him so much so i think yeah just just having him get back to that point where he's moving a couple of rocks and small little things is going to be like a big emotional release, I think. All right, and episode six ended with Luke looking at Forrest Ghost, um, Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Anakin. 
episode six of Obi-Wan ends with Obi-Wan looking at Force Ghost Qui-Gon. That's my prediction connection. I like that. So you have them kind of, he's, he's finally shown up. He's, he's back to the, yeah. to the Force again. He's seen the lights and now Qui-Gon's there to train mm-hmm. him so he can go pass it on to Luke in a couple of years. All right. I think that's going to wrap up this part of the discussion probably the longest we've ever talked about a single episode of a show uh but we're going to stay in the world of star wars and that's because we're going to be talking about the season two trailer of the bad batch a show i uh wasn't quite sure on the first watch through and then when i did my chronological watch through and what binged it all i uh, found a new appreciation for it i really like it and also apparently according to the lego uh star wars game i don't know if you know this uh, maybe it's been confirmed that the, um, oh crap. What's the name of the beast? Moochie, uh, from, oh. is the same one that Luke killed oh, <laughs> because they, apparently, uh, Jabba changed its name. So, um, who knows? Well, that's canon. If it's in the Lego game, it has to be canon. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe, uh, that is the same one that Luke killed or maybe, they plan to use it for something else, but it got dropped. So they're just like, screw it. It's the same one anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of quick shots. Uh, we saw Gunji, uh, who was in the Clone Wars, make an appearance. Uh, kind of just, th- we didn't get much for the story here. More just kind of flashes, feeling, tone. Uh, my favorite part of the trailer, and I don't really know why, is when the logo for the Bad Batch popped up. They played like a different type of music. It had kind of like a hip-hop feel to it. It didn't feel like classic Star Wars music, which, I don't know, it just made me feel like, hey, this is like a new kind of style, a new direction. And I think my belief in pretty much all Star Wars animation is season one is always the worst season. And I think Bad Batch had the best season one of all of the animated shows. So I'm very curious to see how uh, season two goes. But what was kind of your thoughts on this trailer? Yeah, it's definitely an action-oriented trailer. We only get a lot of quick shots, but... You can tell they're really upping the action this season. There's like all kinds of explosions, and of course that could be from like a couple of episodes. But it looks like they're really going in on the action, and you can see there's also going to be a ham- maybe some of those kitty style card uh, Clone War episodes. You see some stuff where she's like, you know, fighting some giant crabs. That kind of gives me some flashbacks to like Jar Jar episodes of the Clone Wars. You know, when you see these shots where they're on this kind of like rocket league style racetrack thing, and that makes me feel like, oh, maybe there's going to be an episode where they have to, like, compete in this race, pod race style. And, you know, you got to kind of have a little offshoot story there where she Omega has to learn to race this pod. So I think it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how they balance the tones here. Because the first season does kind of almost feel like a single through line in a way. There, there's, like, a handful of offshoot stories, but it's not, like galaxy hopping type in the way the clone wars was where they're going all over the place to all these different planets all the time so i'm curious to see if season two ups the ante and the scope and the scale because the action so far looks a lot bigger and it looks like they're going to be traveling a lot to a lot of different places all right anything else you want to say about this i don't have much no i'm looking forward to it i i like the first season and uh we're not that far away really from this season but yeah I'm looking forward to seeing more of it and seeing what they fill in with the plot too, because this for somehow or another ended up being one of the shows that was giving us the most like Snoke and sequel trilogy kind of plot. (laughs) So it'll be curious to see if this is the show they use to kind of slowly, but surely rectify a touchy era of star Wars. Yeah. And I will say, I hope the rumors are true about who the big villain is, but I don't want to spoil anything. So no clue. All right, and uh, which brings us to our next topic, a little bit of preview for next week. Uh, I think we have a show debuting on Wednesday as well. I swear it's June 8th, so that would be it debuts the same day as Obi-Wan, which is a weird choice to me, but I don't make the rules over at Disney+. Plus, and that's Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. I don't know much about the character, honestly. I know they changed her powers, and people have a problem with that because she normally had stretchy powers like Mr. Fantastic, but they kind of changed it to where she has, like, this cosmic energy that kind of, like, extends off of her. And uh, I'm interested in the show. The show looks maybe it's maybe the most kid-geared of the live-action shows so far, Uh, so I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. But, Tristan, what are your thoughts on Miss Marvel coming out this week? Yeah, uh, I'm... 
a little bit more into the character than you are. I, I'm, I mean, I've read some of the arcs from her, and I specifically sought her out because I knew they were making this show. So I read like her her most prominent arcs, and it looks like they're going to be really adapting that kind of stuff to her. So I'm excited to see it. And yeah, you are right. It's premiering the same day as the finale of Obi Wan, and some kind of weird. It's not the finale because. There's still going to be two episodes left. Yeah, because still... I, I, I know if it's a, you're right, but it is right in the middle. So I do know they're going to be crossing over for a couple of episodes, yeah. which is a weird choice to make. But it might be a schedule. They had no real choice scheduling wise. And well, I'm just saying, even the same day, like I'm surprised, like either a they didn't just keep Kenobi on Fridays or debut Miss Marvel on Fridays. It's just weird to me that their two big shows at the moment are prom- debuting or coming out on Wednesdays on the same day. Like why they wouldn't do a Wednesday Friday or something. And if you're not caught up on Ms. Marvel, there is a pretty good uh, behind-the-scenes kind of scissor reel on Disney Plus right now. It's called The Fan's Guide to Ms. Marvel, and it gives you a, ha- a look into some of the art and some of the storylines that they're going to be looking, they're going to be using as uh, influence for the show, and some quick behind-the-scenes looking at the costumes and that kind of stuff. It's only a quick little like five-minute thing that gets you prepped for the show, but I think it's pretty good, especially if you want to get an idea of where to look if you're looking for some comics to read before the show starts but yeah i'm looking forward to it i think the tone will be interesting because we went from moon knight which is a much more adult oriented style of a disney show kind of violent and mythical and serious and this is going to be way lighter i i think we're going to have a lot more connections to the disney uh universe where moon knight had none this is going to have all kinds of name drops and i wouldn't expect tons of cameos but i know they're going to be name drops and references and things in the background and those kind of things because Kamala Khan is like a fanboy of the Avengers. So if you watched Moon Knight and you were like, where are my my MCU connections? You know, where is all the kind of larger storyline stuff? I think you will get a lot of that here. Not maybe the storyline stuff, but you're going to get, you know, the characters and the, the world. And the, you're really going to feel like you're back in the MCU, whereas Moon Knight was just a Marvel show that happened to be part of the MCU. Yeah, and one of my... Favorite things I found is uh, the actress that plays Miss Marvel, whose name I'm blinking on, uh, actually went as Miss Marvel for Halloween like three or four years ago. So that's kind of cool that she's kind of living out her dream. Same with Tom Holland, uh, went as Spider Man for Halloween a few years before he was actually cast. So I believe the actress's name is uh, Eamon Villani. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> I don't know. It says on this thing, but I do know that uh, once she was cast, you could find her letterbox and you could look at her reviews for various Marvel movies. And she gave a a negative score to Captain Marvel, (laughs) which was a funny, funny discovery. But uh, she did give positive uh, word in the review to Brie Larson said essentially like, Oh, Brie Larson was good though. Yeah. That was (laughs) a movie. I think it's how a lot of people feel. That was a movie about a character arc and her character arc was, Oh, if I remove this thing on my neck, I just become all powerful. Cool. Thanks. That was her whole character arc, and that's why, to me, that movie was boring. And uh, I liked Miss Marvel. I mean, I liked Captain Marvel, so I'm curious to see, because uh, her and Ms. Marvel are so interconnected, if she'll show up in the show, if Ms. Marvel will show up in her next movie. I know they're going to be in the Marvels together, so I'm curious what's going to be like. She's a leader, or is she like a cameo, To me, there's no way Captain Marvel and Photon don't both appear in Miss Marvel. I will be shocked yeah. if both of them don't appear in some capacity. I would also be shocked. I think, yeah, if, you're, if you've been missing the cameos, if you want to see all the Marvel Universe back in its glorious form, and especially from a new perspective, that's like, what is it like to be a kid growing up in a world where superheroes exist? You know, they've kind of gotten that with Kate Bishop, but not really, you know. She was pretty much a, an adult by the time we met her and actually had storylines with her. So it'll be cool to see a teenager who's grown up you know, you look at teenagers who grew up post-social media. How do you grow up post-superhero? <laughs> How do you grow up post-Avengers? You know, what is that like? So I'm excited to see what that's, what this show is going to give us, even if it's not in my demographic necessarily for uh, tone or for audience. All right, I have one question before we move to our next topic. Not counting Captain Marvel or Photon, if you were to say one MCU character to appear in Miss Marvel, who would your prediction be? Um, hmm. I think Sharon Carter could make an appearance. Okay. I think that uh, it's a chance to bring in the sort of whatever they're setting up with her character. They've been setting up a lot of stuff since Falcon and the Winter Soldier that we haven't gotten 
back to. So I would be curious to see Sharon Carter. I also think it would be fun to see. Hmm. I'm trying to go down the list. Pepper Potts would be a really fun cameo. That would be a big cameo to get, but that would be like a fun pull because you'd be she could show up at some kind of random like Avengers fan meet or something like that, you know, and give a speech and all of a sudden it's Gwyneth Paltrow on a, on a Disney Plus show and you're like, what? And she wouldn't even know she was in it. You know, you'd ask her about it online. She'd be like, Ms. Marvel. I've never heard, I've never heard of that one. I have a crazy prediction and it's based on no insider information. Uh, but I just had like a weird epiphany. I, I did, thought of this five seconds ago. Kat Dennings appears as a cameo and she is replacing... Uh, she's like giving a speech at Kamala Khan's school uh, in replacement of uh, Jane Foster, who was supposed to be there, but uh, was too sick from her cancer to make an appearance. So I think that's a good tie-in. So I was Kat also Denning thinking appears. of a... Cat Denning appears instead. I was thinking of a nice idea as you were talking that maybe Kamala Khan gets herself in a little bit of legal trouble, superhero-wise. You know, she causes some chaos and she has to call herself a superhero lawyer. And you get an appearance from She-Hulk. Oh, I thought you were going to say Matt Murdock was... Well, Matt Murdock, but I think She-Hulk would be a nice plug for the show coming up next. And I think she's a superhero lawyer, so I think that would be the perfect fit. So she, Kamala Khan, gets in trouble. She calls a lawyer, which would be um, She-Hulk. Somehow, in a scuffle in Miss Marvel, she gets injured, needs a blood transfusion. (laughs) Bruce Banner. And, like, she's, like, injured... And then your post-credit scene is Bruce Banner giving his cousin a blood transfusion, and she starts to turn green. It all ties together. I like it. And that's your post-credit scene for Miss Miss Marvel. <laughs> I love that Miss Marvel is all just set up for like a couple of other shows that are coming up. You know? Yeah, I like We're how like... we have no idea what anything about Miss Marvel is gonna be. I mean, it's probably gonna be based <laughs> on the comic, but we don't really know much. And we're like, here's exactly what the post-credit scene is gonna be. Yeah, here's here's what they're setting up, scene for scene. All right, and uh, we'll come any... back in a couple of weeks, and we'll be exactly right. You watch the show, save the video, yeah. tell us how wrong we are. Yeah. Do you uh, have anything else to say about Miss Marvel before we move on to our uh, one final one of our final topics? I have nothing else to say. All right, and that brings us to one of our final topics, and that is the trailer for Pinocchio, uh, starring Tom Hanks as Geppetto. Uh, kind of an all-star cast, as most of these Disney live-action movies are, directed by Robert Zemeckis, who's directed great films like Forrest Gump, uh, Castaway, <laughs> Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I even think The Walk was a very good 3D movie. And now here he is directing Pinocchio, which, I'm not going to lie, this looks like the worst live-action Disney adaptation that I've seen. I don't know what crack cocaine Tom Hanks was on when he's doing his weird voice that he's doing in this movie. Uh, The only thing I did like is kind of the look of Pinocchio. They just kind of copied and pasted his animated look. They didn't try to do anything different with it, which for something like this, I don't want them to. If it's like going to be another adaptation of Pinocchio, obviously I want it to be different when you're just doing a live action adaptation of the animated. Don't, don't change it up. Uh, but yeah, what were your thoughts on this horrendous trailer? Yeah, I'm not uh, very into these Disney live action remakes. I think you're more into it than I am. I know you like Lion King and some no. of those kind of. <laughs> I thought Lion King sucked. The oh, only I one you liked it. No, Lion King was bad. The only I I liked Aladdin. I really liked Aladdin. I really Jungle Book to me is still the best one. Beauty and the Beast wasn't bad. Haven't seen Cinderella. So. I like Cinderella. That one was pretty good. But yeah, uh, these live action remakes have been pretty rough, and this is coming straight to Disney Plus, and it feels like such a downgrade. You know, you have you mentioned the pedigree of Robert Zemeckis and Tom Hanks, like they have illustrious careers, and they're coming here doing this. Man, I guess they got to get the check somehow. And yeah, I like that Tom Hanks is making some weird choices in uh, 2022 with his voices and his performance. Uh, between this and Elvis, it's going to be a weird year for Tom Hanks. But, I mean, I like Pinocchio. I like the core story of it. I think it could provide a lot of good spectacle and a lot of good moments. I am excited to see what they do with it in a way because I am going to watch this, of course. And the fact that it dropped on Disney Plus is probably the reason I'm going to watch it because if this came out in the theater, I think I would 
definitely not be going. But the fact that I can sit in my house and just pr press play on my remote, I'm like, all right, you know, I'll watch Pinocchio. I like Pinocchio. I think Jiminy Cricket is a weird-looking creature in this movie, though. He's almost too much of a cricket, you know? I'm like, that's that's too real. I don't need an actual walking-around talking cricket, you know? <laughs> and he will be voiced by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, all right. <laughs> if yeah, they're got... like find the most boring person they could cast in a role. I like I like Joseph Gordon Levitt, but like nothing about that like makes me excited for Jiminy Cricket. Like Keegan Michael Key as Handsome John, Cynthia Revo as as the Blue Fairy. It like literally feels like okay, I'm gonna get the two actors I work with a bit, Joseph Gordon Levitt and Tom Hanks, and then I'm just gonna fill the rest of the cast out with who's popular right now. Oh, Keegan Michael Key's popular right now. Oh, Cynthia Revo is just popped off right now i'm gonna cast her like nothing about this is like wow i gotta see this movie no i mean i'm curious about it i like robert zemeckis i think he delivered some some of my favorite movies of all time you know back to the future is among my top like 10 movies i've ever seen in my life so i'm hopeful he can turn it around and give us something good here there's like three pinocchio movies coming out this year and this will certainly be better than uh the one that's already come out. I don't remember which studio it was, but it was definitely looking like one of those. We spent 20 bucks on this, and now we're going to have it come out to try and clash with the other Pinocchio movie at the the, the Red Box, you know? Yeah. <laughs> one yeah. of those kind of movies. Oh, yeah. one of, Like the Transmorphers, one of those deals. Yeah. Well, what's, uh, what, uh, Guillermo del Toro is directing the other one, and I think that's called Geppetto, but I could be wrong. And I feel like, without a doubt, that's going to be the best one. Uh, no competition there. But yeah, like nothing about this makes me be like, I need to see this movie. I'll watch it. Whatever. It'll be. It, it, I feel like it's one of those mid-level bar, mid-level ceiling. Like it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be god awful or horrendous. But nothing about this is going to be like a word of mouth thing where people are going to be saying to their friends and family like, oh, you got to watch that Pinocchio movie on Disney Plus. It's going to be like, you yeah, know what? I watched it. It was okay. Anyway. I'll say there is potential for a word of mouth here because Pinocchio does have a, some pretty famously weird scenes and some like mm -hmm. really visually trippy sequences. So I think depending on how they deliver those scenes, like if those are actually really weird and really strange and it, even if the rest of the movie is kind of lame and forgettable, if they deliver something cool in those sequences, I feel like that could be a word of mouth thing. It could get tw mm -hmm. uh, clips out on Twitter and stuff like that. People could be saying like, oh my God, you got to see how weird this scene was in the live action Pinocchio because I'm actually curious to see how they'll adapt that stuff but Robert Zemeckis says the director is not making me think it's going to be very edgy and interesting <laughs> no. so yeah um, we'll see how that goes uh, yeah and I forgot Cruella was also very good too forgot about that Cruella too. I guess if you're, yeah, if you're counting that as live action remake that was definitely I mean, probably the best well one um, but yeah um, curious to see how it goes not going to be uh, surprised if it's garbage but it is what it is so uh one of our last things I wanted to touch on. If you Do you have anything else you wanted to say about Pinocchio before I move Please, on? Please, no. No, oh, I'm done. Uh, all right. One thing I <laughs> want to touch on, Doctor Strange is going to be coming. Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is going to be coming to Disney Plus soon. Blinking on the date. Had it memorized so I did, wouldn't have to look it up. And then, of course, I forgot it. So give me uh, one moment. I'm looking here. forward to watching it again. I had a really good time with it in the theater. I think I was more positive than a lot of people June 22nd. Were overall. June 22nd. I was going to guess the 23rd, but I said, you know what? I don't want to be wrong. June 22nd, it's going to be coming to Disney+. Plus. So, hey, if you haven't watched it, you're going to get to watch it soon. If you've watched it and you want to watch it again, June 22nd, you'll get that chance. So, uh, I'm definitely going to be watching it again. I hope yeah. they have the IMAX enhanced on there because they've had that for a handful of the recent Marvel movies. and I think it would be really cool to get the IMAX version of Doctor Strange at home. and Certainly, more than any of the recent Marvel movies that have come out, in the last since Disney Plus has even launched, I'm very excited to watch this. I'm gonna be watching this like day one when it comes out probably, and I haven't gotten around to watching Black Widow again, you know, and those kind of movies. Yeah, we also are going to have on August 10th, I Am Groot, which is gonna be from Marvel Studios, and it's just gonna be a series of shorts starring Groot. So, uh, don't know how that'll be. Probably be very kid centric and nothing that really blows us away that was uh released today and then one final thing i don't i think i sent it to you but i don't know if you saw it that it's been released now who would have taken 
Ugly Sonic's place in Chippendale Rescue Rangers if they didn't get the rights to Ugly Sonic. I don't know if you saw who it was going to be. Wow, what did they say? I did not hear that. Uh, I sent it in our group chat, and it turns out, based on storyboards, that if they didn't get the rights to Ugly Sonic, they would have used a Disney character that has some fans and has some haters, and that is Jar Jar Binks. What oh, happened? wow. Good lord. Wow, I want to go to the Ultimate Universe where that happened. That would have been I, I saw family. that. I saw that, and I'm like, I honestly would have preferred that, I think. That um, would have been the greatest moment of my life. If they had got, I'm curious if they, what they would have done if they would have went like the route of the movie and had like a different actor voice Jar Jar Binks, or if they would have got like Ahmed Best, but maybe bring in Ahmed Best, but have him speak in his regular normal voice. I think probably would have been the route I would have went for that. I think is have just Ahmed Best speak in his regular voice. Yeah, I think it would have been really fun. I wonder if Ahmed Best would have come back to do it or not. I mean, he's but... done stuff with Star Wars recently. Like he hosted that basically. Um, I can't remember what that show was. It was like a Jedi Academy type yeah, of show, yeah. right? Yeah, it was originally going to be on Disney Plus, but I think it was so bad they moved it to <laughs> YouTube kids or whatever the, like Disney yeah i remember YouTube i watched channel. an episode of it and then it was like gone i think the, i think it was on disney plus for a second and then it was gone yeah i think it was so bad they moved it to uh, youtube because <laughs> they didn't want it on disney plus but i mean I he, has, it... he has a relationship with star wars he has a relationship with disney so i feel like if they were like hey this is what we want to do and it is if they had done basically with ugly sonic what they did with jar jar and it's not like making fun of the character it's almost like redemption in a way i think he would have been fully on board for that yeah, that would have been really fun, having him talk in the Jar Jar, like, what are you talking, the, yeah, you mentioned him talking I'm at best, like, normal voice and not the Jar Jar voice, that would be fun, but it would be very funny to see him talking in the Jar Jar voice in those, in those, uh, con scenes, you know? Yeah. I will say we have a couple other things dropping this month. Uh, Hit me. We have a Baymax uh, series. Okay. Uh, I knew that was coming, I didn't realize it was coming now, but. I think it's June 29th, so we're closing out the month with the Baymax Season 1, and they're opening it up with the shorts uh, a couple of weeks before that. They're coming out with Baymax Dreams, so they're going to be a couple of short two-minute uh, stories uh, within the world of Baymax's dreams. So I guess if you want to get yourself reoriented to the Big Hero 6 uh, universe and the visual style of it, check out Baymax Dreams before you check out the Baymax show. I'm I'm looking forward to the Baymax show. I liked Big Hero 6. I don't know at all if this is going to be like a kid show or what, but I'm, def- I'm definitely looking forward to giving it like a couple episodes, you know, the same way I did for the Monsters, Inc. show and just see if it's any good, you know, any any better than me thought it's going to be because I really like the world of Big Hero 6. Yeah, because I know there was that Big Hero 6 show on Disney Channel a few years ago, so I don't know if it's going to be connected to that at all or there because I remember like originally when that show came out, they were like, oh, this is canon to the big hero six movie but i wonder if they're just gonna be like if they're gonna say those show that show is still canon or ignore that show or what they're what they'll do but uh curious to see if it's any good yeah i'm looking forward to it too uh what else do we got oh i think i think love victor is coming to disney plus i know that was a hulu show for a while and the final season is making its way on the disney plus next year uh so it was there's three seasons so far it's a spinoff or kind of like a its own thing version of the Love Simon premise yeah. uh, from the movie Love Simon. They did their own kind of thing, Love Victor, and it's been going on for three seasons on Hulu. And I guess it's doing well enough there, or maybe bad enough there. <laughs> I don't know. They're moving it to Disney Plus for the last season, so the fourth yeah. and final season comes out, uh, I think next year. But the first three are going to be on Disney Plus okay. this month. So if you haven't had a chance to watch any of it, check that out. And if you like the. Uh, sort of Ms. Marvel fan guide thing we dropped this month. I think they're doing a Buzz Lightyear one in a week or so, right around the time that Buzz Lightyear comes out in theaters. It's kind of it's called Beyond Infinity. Buzz and the Journey to Lightyear. Just <laughs> so add Buzz Lightyear Star Command that. already, damn it. I know, that's what I'm really looking forward to. Every month I check this list and I'm like, is it going to be on there? And then it's never on there. Yeah. But those thing, those are the biggest highlights. I know Glee dropped this week. We didn't get a chance to cover that, so we will next, next week. Next week, I will be watching the uh, series one, the season one premiere and the season one finale. And I'm going to tell you all what happened in between, so you don't have to watch. 
Don't worry, I'll have watched it all by then. You know, I'm in the mid- halfway through season one in every watch, so I'll have I'll be able to fill you in, Joe, on what you might have missed. I'll tell them. Don't know. <laughs> all right, I think that wraps up our show for this week. And uh, without further ado, goodbye. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone. Have a nice day.